We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Mr. Roberts, it's mailbag time. Yes, sir. And uh, I want to have some fun here. Obviously, we have some really good questions here uh, in the mailbag. And let's let's dive into them right now. Let's start off here with uh, with Rob Osgood. Rob says, mailbag, I'll start. Top 10 must-haves, question mark. Five of them must be either offensive line or safety. Those are the two areas in, in where I feel it is needed. I am excited on the path the team is going, but those two areas are my concern. So let's have some fun with this question, Ryan. If yeah. if you could say what's the five players at those two positions that if Notre Dame needs to land to have a gap closing class, what would it be? Here's mine. Kirby Lambert, Grant Bricks, Dewan Lane, Davis Andrews would be four. And then my number five, that's a di- – because I don't know if I wouldn't necessarily agree with Rob that it's five. They, if they get the right two – then I would live with that. But here's who I would say would be number five. If you get Gearby and Davis Andrews, here's who my number five would be, Mm -hmm. Oliver Miles. And the reason I say Oliver Miles is this, because you did get the floor plus ceiling a little bit better with Davis Andrews and DeWan Lane. You got that. You've already got Kennedy or Lacker in the class. If I'm going to go to four, it either needs to be a dude like a Jalen McClain, who you're not going to get, or it needs to be a guy with a really high ceiling with some positional flexibility. And that's what Oliver Miles is to me. He could be a safety. He could be a nickel. He could be a big corner. You know, the way he runs, he could. he's a guy that you could put on offense and play receiver if the need was there. I mean, he's a very versatile type of athlete that's very raw, but has an incredibly high ceiling. So if I was going to go to five, I'd rather get an additional safety in this class than an additional offensive lineman. Because of your numbers on the offensive line, you're good. You needed tackles in this class. And if you get bricks and gear, but you're good there. I don't. There's no way I'm taking five offensive linemen in this class unless, like, I don't know, some star, like just some dude wanted to sign up. And I don't know who that would be in this year's class, to be honest. Like, there's no no Samson in this class. I mean, even Brandon Baker is a really good player, but, you know, is is he Monroe Freeling? You know, is he he Samson Okanlola? Is he those? I don't know if he's that guy. So that's what that would be my five. If I could say what's my my dream class of somewhat realistic candidates on those two positions, that would be my ideal finish, Ryan. If yeah. I had to go five, I, it, yeah. And out of those two positions, I would break it down the same. I would go two offensive linemen and three safeties in that situation. Offensive line wise, again, this isn't as realistic as maybe it would be with Gerby Lambert and Grant Bricks. But I would love Gerby Lambert and Liam Andrews. If you could somehow convince Liam Andrews to come play at Notre Dame, I think that he has some tackle flexibility. I think he, if nothing else, he's going to be a really darn good player inside. So those would be my two offensive linemen. Safeties, we're, we're on the same pathway on two of them. I think Dewan Lane and Davis Andrews are the clearest top priorities on the board for me. I actually slightly prefer Paul Menke to Oliver Miles, so I would probably go with mm-hmm. Menke over Miles. But it's a ta- it's a conversation that we could have because so I don't I don't disagree players. with that statement you just said. I think yeah. Paul Menke is a better player than Oliver Miles right now. There's yeah. no doubt he is a much higher floor, but that's also part of the reason I went with him as my fourth because like Menke's a safety. 
right? That's the thing. Menke's, a, I mean, Dewan Lane's a safety. Menke's a safety. Davis Andrews is a safety. Yeah. Kennedy Erlich is a safety. The reason I went with a guy like Paul Miles or Oliver Miles is simply because he does bring you some first. Like, who'd be the nickel? Who's the guy that you could say that's my future nickel of that four man group that you just mentioned? That would be my that would be my concern, right, Ryan? So yeah. I agree with your sentiment. I just so for me, it wasn't that I don't like Paul Menke more. I like Paul Menke more than Oliver Miles. It's that ceiling plus positional flexibility. Because I feel like if you're going to take four safeties in a class, one of them has to be able to do something else, in my opinion. Because otherwise, now you've you've gone over numbers wise. That now you run the risk of well, what if one of those guys leaves in a year because there's he's fourth in that class. That was kind of where I was coming from on that. But but Paul Menke is definitely a better prospect as of right now than Oliver Miles. I don't disagree with that. I just see I I I think think the ceiling with Miles is really high. I, I think at least one of those four, though, on my list, I think could be a rover potentially Fair. in that situation. So he could play in the slot a little bit. Obviously not a true nickel, but sure. like could, could be that big slot type of player. It's fair. Yeah. It's fair. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Let's go to uh, John A1. John A1 says, the rover position at Notre Dame seems to require very unique qualities and yet demands tremendous athletic ability do other college defenses have a similar position with similar traits? What makes a good rover? You want to take a shot at that, Ryan? Because, I mean, I, um, yeah, I, yeah, I have some thoughts on that. So, so John, there are, I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of teams that use uh, kind of a hybrid, some similar to a four, two, five. They, they are. So a lot of, there are a lot of, basically what's happened is that the Sam position has gotten a little bit phased out and they've just made that guy more of a hybrid safety slash linebacker, a guy that can play in the box when you need him to, but he can also be that guy that's going to play overhang, going to play a lot in the slot and going to be able to play from depth a little bit more than what your traditional Sam linebacker would do working in space. So a lot of teams do use that now. Some of the qualities, and this is more specific to Notre Dame, that you really want in a rover position. One, you want length. You want explosiveness. Those are That's two of the biggest things. Because the reason you want length for me, John, is that with length usually comes size and enough size to be able to, when an offense is reduced, that you can come down and he can play in the box when you need him to. He's not a guy that's just a pure space player. That's a nickel. That's the guy that's going to be more in that situation or a safety. You need a guy that can be able to potentially come play down in the box. So usually length coincides with with size. You're able to add size to that position. 
Short air explosiveness, though, is a big thing for me. You need a guy that can really react quickly, change direction, think about coming down on screens, running the alley, coming inside out. The explosiveness to really work to the perimeter is a big-time thing. And then I think, again, that versatility to also get to play in the box at times, but you also get to play outside as far as working in space. That versatility is a big function as well. So, Ryan, I got to I gotta talk about something here real quick that just I just saw pop up on Twitter. So I'm tweeting okay. out uh, – tweet, tweet who's Blake Brockermeyer? Is that the guy that used to – Blake Brockermeyer? Yeah, it's the guy that works for 24-7 Sports. Okay, no, I'm not sure. He just released his top five draft eligible offensive linemen. Oh no, <laughs> I don't want to hear this. Okay, yes, you do. <laughs> Number one has Olu Fashanu. I'm okay, okay with that. I wouldn't agree with it, but okay. Okay, yeah. Number two, another offensive tackle, J.C. Latham. Okay. Num- number three, Cooper Beebe. <laughs> okay. And number four, Joe Walt. Number nice. five is Amarius Mims, who you talked about earlier, right? High upside. Yep. But you can't put him five right now. You, you can't put him five unless it's a pure projection. But probably is. JC Latham and Cooper Beebe over Joe Alt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just that's fun. I, I, I actually, I actually I, think somebody put that in the chat earlier a little bit ago. Did also. they really? Yeah, oh I think God. someone mentioned that slightly. So yeah. Like seriously. Yeah. I like Cooper Beebe, but he's a second round offensive guard. Like he's a good player, but yeah. Joe Walt number number four. Come on, man. Look, I know we're Notre Dame guys, right? But we yeah. try to be objective. Yeah. Some of this stuff, Ryan, just gets to the point where it's like, you're either like trolling us at this point in time or you're just really not good at this. And I think Blake Brockermeyer, that's the offensive lineman that was a big recruit recently, what, isn't he? Isn't Tommy? Tommy Brockermeyer was the offensive lineman, that was right? the That was the – that's the brother. That's the oh, is there, I didn't know there brother. was a second. I didn't know there was a second. So it's either, it's either the dad or okay. the younger son. Because he had two sons. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's got to be the dad. Yeah, it's got to be the dad who played offensive line in the NFL for a long time. That's who it's got to be. Okay. So, because he's got his son, uh, Tommy, and then he had Luke and James. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Timmy, Tommy and James are, are um, twins. They're in the same class, and mm-hmm. they went to Alabama. So, it's the we dad should, who made that we list. Should, we should get uh, – we should get – this guy on the podcast and have a discussion with him. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him Joe Alt's dad's number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking out with Mr. Alt. Joe, Joe, Joe Alt's dad is massive too, right? He's a big dude. Hey, very tall. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause he played offensive tackle in the NFL. Yeah. That's a stupid question. Yeah, I walked John by him at huge. the South Carolina game. He had like uh he had like uh, knee wraps on, you know, cause like, you know, I'm six feet tall and my knees at 45 are killing me. I couldn't imagine being like six, eight, you know, but uh, <laughs> he's a very miles. tall guy. Yeah. Yeah. Very tall guy. Ooh. Yeah, very tall guy. I saw that. I just, come on, man. What, what are we doing here? <laughs> DM ND13. He said, just wanted to throw a plug out there for the new CFB Nation show that came out about the updated post-spring practice top 25 rankings. There's a, another video that's going to come out. Uh, Bill and the Bill and Bill and Bill show on the CFB All America show on CFB Nation. Uh, it's Bill Bender and Bill Trochi from Sporting News. Uh, they talk about the they rank the quarterback r- rooms in the SEC and the Big Ten. This that's part of, that's second part of this week's show. So uh, the podcast form of that is already out. Both of those are out. The video will be out on that here very soon as well. So yeah, thank you for that DM and Dan. Uh, definitely some really good content today from the CFB All America guys. Very very good content on them. Coleman Smith. Here we go. Let's get back on track. Coleman says, on a scale of 1 to 10, what are both of your confidence levels that we land Justin Scott and Elijah rushing now? So mine on Justin Scott is a 6 right now. I'm not as high as my sources are on that one. Like my sources are very confident they're going to get him and all that. But I just... I'm a little bit punch drunk from last year, right? Ryan, I got a little bit, you know, PTSD from last year's cycle where when a kid says one thing to a staff, but then just won't visit because, oh, I've already been there a bunch of times. Okay. You can't make it back for one weekend in the month of June. 
And I'm supposed to believe that when you make your decision before the summer, a school that you didn't come to our spring game, you didn't come see us in April, you know, in in May, you didn't come see us in June. I'm supposed to believe that you're going to commit to us in the summer. I can't do it. So if he doesn't, if he doesn't visit in June, my confidence level is going to plummet because we've been here before. Right. And, and he's a different kid. Right. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying, well, he's just like Keanu Paint Bone, but what I am saying is, is the lesson that we learned last year was it's not always what these kids say to people. It's follow their, their footsteps, right? Where they go. Yep. And with Justin, he's saying all the right things to Notre Dame. And I believe that he, he, I believe he means it, but my whole point is, is, but if it's really to the point where you're going to come to Notre Dame and pick Notre Dame, I have to think that you're going to come back again since what, late March, early February or early April. I just have a hard time with that one. To your point, it's an hour and a half drive. You can come on a Tuesday or, you know what I mean? So now I'm not saying he has to take an official visit. He, if if he loves Notre Dame and is ultimately going to pick Notre Dame, he may say, Hey, I'm I'm just going to come on an unofficial for a couple of days and then then take my official to the fall. I want to be, I want to do my official the Ohio state weekend or something like that. USC weekend, something like that. Totally fine. But he has to at least visit in June. And if he doesn't, then my, confidence level is going to go down so i'm at a six now i still i still feel like notre dame is the leader but yeah. i'm just not as confident as maybe some of my sources are that they're going to get justin scott um, that's fair so I, so I, thoughts on I, that I, ryan and then i'll give mine on elijah next i think we're relatively in the same ballpark there i, I might say seven like you know just mm-hmm. going up a little bit because I, I really do think that notre dame is i think that it just makes so much sense that he lands with the university of notre dame when all is said and done but to your point brian the longer you're out there the more that you're seeing and the less activity on the Notre Dame side, there is cause for concern. So that's one of those situations where actions speak a lot louder than words. I mean, there were a couple of recruits that we learned that easily from in the 2023 class. So I still think Notre Dame has a very good chance at Justin Scott, but it's definitely not as, not as confident as it once was yeah. for sure. The next one, Elijah rushing. I'm a, I'm at a five right now, Ryan. I'm actually wow, up from where really? I was. Yeah, I'm I'm at a five because again, I'm following the actions. Right, what are the actions yeah. that we see? Constant engagement with the Notre Dame staff. Sure, saying all the right things, like not the right things, is like the things I want to hear, but the trigger words that I look for a, about a kid, and and you know, recruiting me harder than anybody else. We've heard him say that. Yep. Uh, and, and I've always felt he was a Notre Dame fit. It just was like, can you convince him that he's a Notre Dame fit? And I think that's sales pitches is, is starting to take hold. I'm not ready to go any higher than a five because five is like 50, 50 right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that visit's going to determine whether it shoots way up or shoots way down. But right now I think, I mean, look, name me another team that has gained more positive vibes with him than Notre Dame in the last few weeks. There isn't one. Yeah. You know, Notre Dame is the charging team and it's Arizona and Oregon that are kind of trying to hold Notre Dame back, in my opinion. That's how I look at it. Sure. So yeah, I, I feel like they've made they've made a nice they've made a nice charge. If I had to predict today, would I pick Notre Dame? No, because otherwise I'd give them a higher than a five. But I think they're putting themselves in position Ryan, that with a great visit in June, they could you know, they could be because like right, it's about who who wins in the end. It's not about who was there at the beginning. Sure. But the difference between Elijah and maybe some other guys on the board is that Elijah, and this is like the difference between Elijah and Malachi, for example. I would actually say today I'm more optimistic they're going to get Elijah than I am Malachi. Here's why. Malachi didn't have a lot of interest in Notre Dame. His coach and his mom convinced him to come. He visited, yeah. loved it, and and genuinely loved it. But I still think ultimately he's going to go back to his first loves, which is like a Penn State type of team, right? Elijah, I really feel like his first loves were staying close to home or going to Notre Dame. And then, of course, Oregon and some other schools got in the mix and got involved and it got flashing, all that other kind of stuff. And now I feel like his first love is kind of coming back around. You know, because like when 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 he first visited a year ago, Ryan, we're thinking like this, they got a great shot with this kid. I mean, they got a great shot with this kid faded and now they're coming back. So I'd much rather be that school that that's been in his mind for a lot longer. And now you're trying to get reignite that love than for that spark to happen during a great visit that then fades over the next couple months. That's my fear with like a, a Malachi, for example. I hope I'm wrong because I love that kid. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit higher on, on Elijah. Now, again, 
a five does not equal I'm putting a crystal ball out tomorrow, right? <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like I think they're at least trending right now in, in a in a a positive direction for me. Yeah. I think they're definitely trending. I would probably go with four though, just because I just think there's a lot that needs to happen in that one, right? So like we're not again, we're not far off. You said a five, I'll say a four, right? Like that's kind of where we are. I I think that Notre Dame is certainly in the game. They are certain gaining momentum. They are certainly heading in a much better direction than it once was. I just think that there are going to be some schools that are going to be kind of nipping at the heels as well, right? Like I, I think that that's why it makes me a little less optimistic, just because. If this was a situation where it was like three teams that were in the conversation, right? And then you did a big visit. I think that you could potentially separate it, but it's just like, it's hard to really point to a couple teams that are Elijah, right? It's like Oregon, Florida, Arizona, the pool to stay. Like there's just a few schools that I think are still heavily involved in this recruitment. So that's just kind of why I'm going to stick at a four for now. But again, to your point, this could completely change after the visit. We'll see because yeah. I mean, there was a time, Brian, like I remember when they offered him originally, he was like, you know, I Notre Dame is is a, we, this is a very pro Notre Dame community. I'm a Catholic yeah. kid, like a, a lot of a lot of things that would point to him being a Notre Dame kid. And he's a three point eight GPA kid. Right. Like he's a very intelligent kid. So a lot. It all makes sense that he lands at Notre Dame. I just really need to see how the visit goes, because uh, yes, yeah. that's going to be the make or break right. for me, which is why we're at four and five. Right. There's a lot of things going in the right direction, but they got to really knock this visit out. out. I mean, just and it's got to be a home run. It's got to be a home run. Yeah. Because if I thought the visit was going to if I thought the visit was trending towards him committing, I'd be like at a seven. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's there's definitely still work to be done. No uh, Jake Smith says, hey, guys, I'm working at the moment, but just wanted to drop in and say that I appreciate you guys and the whole crew behind IB. Always great content. Seems like we have an opportunity to be great in 2023. Thank you very much for that, Jake. Very, very much. And agree. And agree. Absolutely yeah. agree. Next question is from Adam Blair. It says Brian, who's better? Who's a better high school? A better high school junior, Blake Fisher or Gerby Lambert? Blake Fisher. Definitely Blake Fisher. Yeah. Gerby Gerby is still pretty raw as a player, right? I mean, Blake was a big monster as a junior. Now, you know, Blake needed work conditioning wise but Blake was yeah. a really talented kid uh Blake would be that guy for me and I also think Blake brought even more positional flexibility could play either tackle spot could play guard um I would go with Blake it's not an enormous um, uh, advantage for Blake but Blake for me is definitely was at the same age I, I remember seeing a video of Blake Fisher playing center in high school and I'm just like what am I watching yeah. right now this is insane <laughs> like a three hundred thirty that versatile like, what? <laughs> that versatile yeah yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he. Um, I'd say Blake. Now, Gearby's upside is enormously high, and I would argue we could have a debate about similar upsides. But Blake was just further along as a junior. I think it's probably the best way to say it, right? Probably the best way to say it. Well, what would your answer be for that one? I don't really remember Blake as a junior. I remember okay. more as a senior. So okay. I, I think this would be a. Fair. It would be a. I think that Adam, this is a great question. After senior year Gerby, and then we can talk about senior year Blake and senior year Gerby. I think that would be a really interesting conversation. Next question is from Archer452 says Brad Crawford at 247 Sports put out his college football proje- projections as Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, and Michigan. Urban Meyer said it's hard to say Texas doesn't have the best roster in college football. No, it's not. What- Where's all the UT love coming from? It's actually not that hard to say that Texas doesn't have the best roster in college football because they don't. Oh, Urban. (laughs) Like, you know, and and of course he says that now everybody's jumping on board. And I I, look, could Texas be a playoff team this year? Sure. Sure. It's possible. Yeah. But you're telling me that a team that went eight and five last year that is going to all of a sudden jump out and beat Bama at Bama or lose to Bama really close and then run the rest of the table the rest of the way in a Big 12? I mean, number one, I would argue the Big 12 is the hardest conference to go undefeated in right now because no matter who you are, you have to beat somebody twice to go undefeated. It's not possible to go undefeated in the Big 12 without beating somebody twice. That's why when when people in the – because we know what the response from Big 10 people is going to be when they go to this move of not playing a not – well, why should we have to play – we. Look at all the teams in our conference. We've got USC and UCLA and Michigan. I'm like, but who plays all them? You don't play all them. 
So, so stop talking to me. Oh, the SEC. So we have to play this team. And it's, Georgia and Alabama hardly ever play in the regular season. Hardly ever. Alabama and Florida don't play that very often in the regular season. Right? Tennessee has to play Alabama every year, but then they got to play the rest of the SEC East. They don't have to play LSU and, Alabama, and Auburn and all, you know th- those other teams every year. So stop coming to me with, look at who's in our conference, because you don't play everybody in your conference. You know who does play every single team in your conference and at least one team twice? It's the Big 12. Big 12, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's a tough league to go undefeated in unless you're just way better than everybody else. And even a lot of those Oklahoma teams that Lincoln Riley had, they rarely went undefeated. I don't think Lincoln Riley ever had a team that had less than two losses. And now, again, the reason I'm saying two losses is because they would always lose in the postseason. Right. But every year, yeah, 10 and 12 and 2, 12 and 2, 12 and 2, 9 and 2, 10 and 2, because every year they lost in the regular season. I think one year uh, they lost to Iowa State in his first year, beat all went on the road and beat Ohio state by 15, but lost to Iowa state barely beat Baylor that year in a shootout 49, 41 beat Texas 29 to 24 beat Texas tech by seven, uh, had another, uh, close game against, uh, well, it was close for a while. They ended up pulling away from Oklahoma state 62 to 52, but again, lost to Iowa state 2018, Oklahoma, they lost to Texas. Now they got a rematch win over Texas. Remember that year they also had that crazy shootout at West Virginia. I remember that. I think I was in, I think I was in, was I in LA that weekend? It would be 2018. So 2018, Notre Dame ended the season against USC. So I was out in LA that weekend for the Notre Dame game. And I remember watching that game in the hotel. Like, this is a crazy game. Whoever has the ball last is going to win. It was Will, it was that Will Greer, and like David Stills, Gary Jennings. You remember that receiving core yeah. that they had back then? It was really good. That was a phenomenal game. But it was not easy for that Oklahoma team to go undefeated. Uh, 2019, I think they lost to Iowa State again. No, they lost to Kansas State that year. Barely beat Texas in a close game. But they dominated their non-conference. Then 2020, uh, they obviously that was a year where I think they only played Big 12 teams. No, they actually – did they play out of conference that year? Yeah, played Missouri State. Lost two games in the Big 12 that year to Kansas State and Iowa State. And then in his last year at Oklahoma in 2021 – uh, they went out and lost a, another regular season game to Baylor by 13. So when was the last time a, an SC, a, a Big 12 team went undefeated? Now, TCU went undefeated in the regular season. Yeah. And look what happened. The they lost the re- – but it was a rematch. They lost a yeah. rematch. It's hard to beat a team twice. They lost a rematch to Kansas State. So you're telling me they're going to either beat Bama on the road or they're going to go undefeated in the Big 12 – I just I have a hard time with that because is this roster at Texas that much better than what Oklahoma had from 17 to, to 20 or 7 to 17 to 19 is probably the three 20 is when you started to see a little bit of a decline from Oklahoma. But 17, 18, and especially and, and 19, especially that 18 team, those are really good Oklahoma teams. And they never yeah. ran the table. Never ran the table. So I have a hard time believing that Texas is going to be that team or projecting it. Now, could it happen? Sure. But you're predicting it? I have a hard time with that, Ryan. Very hard time with that one. I mean, I just hyper-focus on that they have the most talented roster in college football. Like, yeah, that's just the absurd take, in my opinion, right? Like, I don't think it's absurd to say, could they potentially be a playoff team? Like, sure, sure. It, it's possible, right? But, I mean, is it, it, they have a more talented roster than Georgia? No. Ohio State? No. Alabama? Not even close. Like, Not even close. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. Now you could argue, Ryan, to your point that offensively we could have a conversation that they're in that they're in there for one of the most talented rosters offensively. Because, like, here's an example: like i I would take Notre Dame starting eleven over Texas starting eleven personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: you start looking at their man, but they got Malik Murphy as their backup quarterback. Arch Manning is their three, right? right. I mean, I like Kenny Minchie, but if you know, I had Malik Murphy. I'm, yeah, I'll take him, right? You know, uh, their Notre Dame's number three talent quarterback for me is Steve Angeli. Uh, I think Arch Manning's overrated. He's way better than Steve Angeli, in my opinion. They've got some very talented young running backs, unproven. Okay, they're very talented receiver. They got the Mitchell kid. Obviously, we talked. You talked about earlier. Uh, Jatavian Sanders is a really talented tight end. They've got some young guys though. There's there's some depth there that I really yep. like. It's when you get to the defensive side of the ball that you lose me with this whole talented roster and college football thing. That's where you lose me because their talent on defense is not 
in the same conversation. Like the talent at Georgia, you could argue that Texas has a more talented roster than Georgia on offense. You can have that argument. I wouldn't buy it because I think Georgia still has a significantly more talented offensive line. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Yes. Yes. And, and so uh, Texas has more talent at quarterback, receiver that Texas has more talent. Running back, it's close, but I'd give the edge to Georgia. Tight end, it's Georgia. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, you can at least have a conversation. And I wouldn't say you're nuts for saying Texas has more talented offensively roster than 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 georgia defense is not even close no it's not it's not even the same universe defensively same thing with alabama does texas have a better roster than alabama does on offense i would say yes when you take all of it together yeah is it close on defense no it's not it's not and and that's where you lose me with that and 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 i would argue i'd make the same argument on offense except in this case i don't think texas necessarily has a better offense than ohio state Talent-wise, roster-wise. They do a quarterback. Running back-wise, I'm taking Ohio State. Receiver-wise, I'm taking Ohio State. Tight end-wise, it's a wash. I say wash when you look at the depth. Offensive line, I'd give the edge to Texas right now. But, you know, I'd, I'd say Ohio State has the better – defensively, it's, it's again, I'd still give the edge to Ohio State. Yes. And I don't love Ohio State's talent on defense. So you lose me with that stuff, Ryan. You are correct on that. Like, yeah, No. Unless we're talking about playing a seven-on-seven game. But, no, I, I can't get there on that one. The other three playoff teams, I mean, look, you're, you're basically picking the same teams as last year. Okay, whatever. It's a little lazy, but I, I get it. Because, I mean, you look at Michigan and Ohio State, Ryan. I, I predict Ohio State to beat Michigan this year. I do. I think they are I think they will go to, to Ann Arbor and beat them. But if you're, you're basically what you're saying is either you lose to Michigan and beat Notre Dame or you lose to Notre Dame, but then beat Michigan. Either way, gives you a good chance. Plus, beat Penn State gives you a pretty good chance to be a playoff team, right? Yeah. Uh, where Michigan's got to run the table. If you know, like they 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 have to beat Ohio State. They can't afford to lose to Ohio State and make it because if they lose to Ohio State, you're gonna. What's your resume at that point in time? Who'd you beat? Yeah, because their schedule is ridiculously soft, like embarrassing, embarrassingly so. I I don't want to hear a single Michigan fan ever talk about Notre Dame's duck in Michigan. First of all, shut up. That's not how it happens. Second of all, you're going to look at who Notre Dame plays and then look at who Ohio State and Michigan plays in a non-conference and tell me that Notre Dame's ducking somebody? Please. It's embarrassing. It really is. It's embarrassing. But, I mean, I, I don't have a Final Four yet, Ryan, so I'm not going to bang on his too much. Um, I, I'm not even going to bang on the Texas one. I mean, there's a path for it. You know, yeah. if, they, if they go to Tuscaloosa and, and play a game similar to last year where it comes down to the wire and then run the table in the Big 12, Texas is probably a playoff team and probably should be a playoff team at that point in time. Oh, yeah. I, I have nothing against Brad Crawford. My my uh, objection is more to the Urban Meyer yeah. um, Urban Meyer yeah. a- analysis in this conversation. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, let's get to uh, – we did, we did get a series of Super Chats down here from uh, Wicked Bronco Productions, so we'll go with uh, number one here. First question is, thoughts on the way too early college football predictions? One, Tennessee at 13-0. Two, Michigan at 12-1. Three, Oregon at 12-1. Notre Dame at 11-1. I like Tennessee a lot. I see that. Um, you really do. Yeah, I Tennessee. see that. You don't like them. You uh, love them. I, can't, I can't go there with you on, yeah. on the Tennessee one. I, 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 I think there's going to be a slight setback in Tennessee. I still think that yeah. they're going to be trending in a fine direction, but I think more like yeah. nine wins this year, like nine and three, and then into the postseason, maybe yeah. they get the 10th win. Like that's kind of what I see just because I'm not a Joe Milton believer. And right. I just, I'm not, I'm not sold on Josh Heupel 
in year three, having the depth of this roster that he needs yet to lose guys like Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman and those types of players. And they just reload all of a sudden. Like yeah. I'm just not there yet on that, but I think they will get there eventually if there's just a remain a little bit patient. Cause I think he is recruiting at a pretty high level, but it's just, I think it's going to take another couple recruiting classes to get it to that, that level of my opinion. The other thing is being, being a team that plays Alabama every year for Tennessee to go 13 and 0. I mean, if you were going to tell me 12 and one, because I think at 12 and 1, I think there's a there's a case to be made that Tennessee could have the number one uh the number one seed because of who they play. Mm-hmm. You can say, okay, let's say they lose at Alabama by a field goal and then run the table and and uh follow it up with a win at Kentucky, beat win at Missouri, beat Georgia, and then win the SEC championship. Let's say they get a rematch against Bama and beat them. But here's the reality for Tennessee to go three and oh or thirteen and oh, they have to beat Alabama on the road. They have to beat George at home, and then they have to beat either Bama or LSU in a SEC title game. Yeah. I just – I don't see that. I don't – I just – I don't see that, man. I don't. I, I That's a – that boy – because not even just the Joe – even if Joe Milton is as good as everybody says he's going to be this year, I don't see that. And they lost two really good receivers. I don't, I don't think the guys stepping in are that. The system will help them put up numbers, but they're not that. Yeah. And I just, I mean, they, everything went right for Tennessee last year at home and they still barely beat Alabama. Right. I just, I don't, I just don't see that one. I don't see them going to Alabama and winning that game and then beating Georgia and then beating, let's say LSU in the SEC title game or a rematch against Bama. I'll (laughs) I'll say this. If they do go 13 and 0 this year, if Tennessee does something like that, that man, the Josh Heupel tenure in Tennessee is going to be silly because I yes. think that this is going to be a little bit of a reload year. Like, I don't yes. think this is going to be a – I don't think that's they're going to be as good point. as they were last year. I mean, if they're 13-0 this year, it's like, wow, man. that's just, Because it's, it's just, it won't oh. be a fluke, Ryan. It won't be a fluke. They play yeah. at Florida, home against South Carolina, home against A&M, at Bama, at Kentucky, at Missouri, home against yes. Georgia, and then whoever they would play in the SEC title game. And if you That's do that not a fluke. Two- and if Josh Heupel does that, that means that he got a whole lot out of Joe Milton where I'm yeah. like, oh, <laughs> he is that, a quarterback. Whisperer. What's he going to wow. do with Nico? If he could yeah. do that with Joe Milton, you're like, what the freaking heck is he going to go do with Nico? Because Nico's a much better prospect than Joe Milton was coming out, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that would be uh, tremendous. The other one's Michigan at number two. I just think Michigan's going to lose multiple games this year. I do. I just awesome. I, I see them losing two games. Or number three, Oregon. I'm not. I'm not a believer in Oregon like that. I think Oregon's a good football team. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not a believer in them like that. Um, Ryan, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on on Oregon being that kind of team? I. I just. Yeah. I think. I think the Pac-12 is going to kind of have a lot of parity. So I think teams are just going to beat themselves up. I, I've said this before. If there is a team that comes out, I think it's going to be Washington, just because I think that that's the do most not, coming back, most production coming back. Do not sleep on sep- that September 9th game at Texas Tech. I'm telling you right now, do not sleep on that game. I like what Joey McGuire is doing at Texas Tech. I really do. They actually try and play defense now. Can you believe that, Ryan? They it's actually wild, try man. and play defense now. They're yeah, not they that good had, at it yet, but they try. They just had the seventh overall pick on defense yeah. this past year. So Yeah. Notre Dame at 11-1. and one. I'd be curious to who you have them losing to and then um, – Kind of how you see that playing out. I, I I don't know. I I look at Oregon's schedule. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It's not a tough schedule, but it's also not an easy. They play at Washington, at Texas Tech, which I think is going to be a tougher game than people think. At Washington, at Utah, at Arizona State, home against USC, and then potentially a rematch against Utah or USC. Yeah, like that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. I don't see them going. I don't see them as a one loss team coming out of that. I just. I don't. Next super chat from Wicked Bronco Productions. Thank you again for all the contributions here. Buy or sell Notre Dame's chances to land Justin Scott. Let's go. Let's go one at a time. Okay. Um, let's go one at a time because, like, sell every single one of those guys. Probably sell, especially since they're not recruiting a couple of those guys anymore. So let's yeah. go one at a time, Ryan. Okay. Buy or buy sell. Or, buy or sell chances to land Justin Scott. Um, I'm still buying that I buy, one. I buy it. Yep. Yeah. Elijah rushing buy or sell. I'm buying that one because of the direction it's going, but it's a, I'm not paying a whole lot for it. 
I'm, I'm buying sell- it. I'm selling at the moment, but that could yeah. change very quickly. Kayla Beasley buying or sell Tennessee commits cornerback. Buy. I'm buying that one. I should buy that one too. I did because yeah, it's one. about chances, right? And and I like uh, you know yeah. Now if his previous prediction is correct and Tennessee goes thirteen and zero, it ain't happening. <laughs> yes. It ain't happening. Yes. Jacob Smith selling. So they're not recruiting him anymore. Yeah. Kingston Villamuasa. I will buy that one. Buy. For now. Yep. Yep. And keep it. Oh, sorry. Cole Sullivan. Sell. Sell. Yes. We're there. Yep. And then keeping Isaiah Canyon with the new SEC offers. I'm Buy. buying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm buying that one too. All right. Let's uh, last one. This is the last super chat from him. I appreciate you again. Wicked Bronco productions. Two Actually, things. I lied. He just put another super chat in there. So we, man. this is the last one I had previously started. We, so my we got a, We got a baller in the chat today, man. Two things are always true in college football. No matter how bad or good Texas is or it or overrated, they have been. The AP and ESPN love their ranking te- teams by brand. Texas went eight and four in an easy Big 12. Texas is back, folks. TCU or Baylor wins Big 12. I'm going to somewhat disagree with part of what you said. I mean, you're correct. Texas and Michigan are like that. They, you'll just any. It, Texas A&M has been getting a lot of that unnecessarily love lately. Yes, they like to give those brands that that hype that they don't deserve, at least the, in my opinion. At least the Texas A&M stuff has stopped now. Right, so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was so bad that they finally stopped it. I, I'm going to disagree with the part about them going 8-4 and four in, a, in an easy Big 12. I do I do not believe, agree with that at all. I, I think here's the problem I think a lot of people have when it comes to evaluating the Big 12, and I think this is where a lot of people miss the boat. They look at the Big 12 and they say, well, there's not a great team in that league. And there isn't. There isn't a great team. There's no Georgia. There's no Ohio State. There's no Clemson in that league. I get it. But I would argue that that's as deep of a league as there is in college football. And every year we see this with top teams from the Big 12. You see these teams go out and and these teams that nobody's ever heard of, and they lose to one of these in Iowa State or Kansas State. And then you see these teams go and – and get good matchups and bowl games and, and win bowl games. And so I, I think we're very much we as a as a college football universe, we very much underappreciate the the balance and the depth of the Big 12. And we assume it's not a strong league because it doesn't have a top level team. The Big 12 is a way better league than the ACC. Now the ACC has two teams at the top that I think are better than anybody that the Big 12 has in Clemson and Florida State. But after that, there's a big drop off, in my opinion. And I, and I would argue the same thing with the Pac-12. The Pac-12 might be better 1-2 than the Big 12, arguably. Uh, but 6, 7, 8, 9, the Big 12 is a much better conference than people give it credit for. Is it a great conference? No, but it is not an easy conference. And it's it's definitely not an easy conference to run the table in because there is such good depth. There's a lot more teams that can knock you off in that league than there are in the ACC. And I would even argue in the Big 10. The Big 10 is another one of those very top-heavy teams. Top four or five in the Big Ten, better than the top four or five in the Big 12. But it's just the depth of that league is so much better. I'm not saying it's better than the Big Ten. It's not because the the talent at the top matters. What I'm saying is the depth has to be taken into consideration for the quality of that league. And I think college football world does, um, does not give nearly enough credit to the big 12 for how good it is from a depth standpoint. So not a great league, but for me, it's the number three league in the power five level because of that depth. And uh, I think people need to respect the big 12 a little bit more uh, in my opinion. And heck, everybody thought Michigan was going to run TC off the field last year. Oh, big 10. So great. Michigan ran the table in the big 10. They beat Ohio state. Nope. It's not how it played out. Right. And so, um, it's a much better league than people give it credit for, in my opinion. I'm very interested with this take too, Brian, because obviously he mentions Baylor as potentially winning the Big 12. I don't know what to expect from Baylor this year. Yeah, I'm not really agree. sure. They're kind of a wild card team for me, man. I'm not, yeah. I'm just not. I mean, TCU has to reload, obviously. They're going to take a step back. back. They're definitely yeah. going to take a step back. Baylor was really good two years ago. Last year, they took their step back. Does Dave Aranda have that roster now in a better spot where they have more depth to be able to kind of push forward? I I hope so, because I really do like Dave Aranda. So that's an interesting team this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, the quarterback's going to be the key for them. That's going to be the key for them. Like Blake Shapen. Yep. That's going to be the key. 
All right. And then we had one more super chat from Wicked Bronco Productions. Said, I know it's just spring ball, but I have a little more confidence in Notre Dame beating Ohio State after watching their top five quarterback in college football, according to Ohio State fans. He looks like tr- he looked like trash in the spring game. Don't care. You, the year before <laughs> Justin Fields went f- 41 and three, meaning 41 touchdowns and three picks, and let Ohio State into a, a, a one of the best playoff, one of the best semifinal games ever was that Ohio State Clemson game that year that yeah. Ohio State lost late. It was a great game. He went like what, like three of 14 or something like that. Absurd in the spring game that year. You remember that? And, oh, I yeah. don't know if he's that good. It's a spring game. It does not matter. I don't care what Kyle McCord did the spring. He could have gone one of 15 and I wouldn't care. Right now you want to see good things because it at least makes you feel better. Like I've seen it. Right. But guys, there's so much evidence, so much evidence of spring games, not being at all indicative of how a guy is going to play in the fall. And I'm just talking quarterback. I'm not even getting into the other positions. I just don't care. We have yeah. seen Kyle McCord play college football games. We actually saw him start a game. Now it was against Akron. But he, we've seen him step on the field and play football. He's a good football player, and he's going to have the best receiving core in college football playing for him. And in those games, you're not playing with your entire starting offensive lineup. Right. That's another factor, too. Whereas Sam Hartman's played so many games, he's going to be able to make that smooth transition. Right. Um, I, I get that a, a, a lot of um, um, a, a lot of people are looking at Ohio State and they're saying, well, they're not going to be good because of this, this, this and this and all that. And I'm like, I get it. And, and I don't know how good Ohio State's going to be this year, but it's a spring game. There have yeah. been years where Notre Dame's had pretty good teams where in the spring, their offensive line didn't look great because they weren't quite a unit yet. And they were still trying to figure some things out. Ohio State's going to be just fine. And do I expect them to be as good on offense? Well, it depends. I actually think Ohio State isn't going to be as explosive on offense this year. But you know what? I think they're going to be a lot more this year, Ryan. Versatile. Efficient. Efficient. They were pretty efficient throwing the football. Yeah. Versatile. And what would happen is if you could slow down Ohio State's pass game, you could beat them. And I think that's what has hurt them in recent years. So you get into those really bad weather games. The fact that Ohio State fans were making excuses for it was bad weather is like, have you not watched this rivalry the last 100 freaking years? Yeah. If you have built a team to where bad weather hurts you for a team that plays its home games in Ohio and who plays its road games in often north of Ohio, that's a you problem. Yep. That's a you problem. You didn't build your team correctly. And so I think this team, by its very nature, is going to have to be more balanced. And a more balanced Ohio State, in my opinion, is a is a better Ohio State because now you're not putting as big of a burden on your defense as they have in recent years. So does that mean they're going to be a championship-caliber team? No, I'm not saying that at all. I still like Notre Dame in that matchup as of right now. But I don't think Ohio State's going to be this take-a-step-back that people think. They're going to look different. Yes, but different doesn't always equal because you needed Herculean effort from CJ Stroud last year because you had no run game. You had no balance outside of that. Once once your top receiver went out, you needed him to be Superman. They're not going to need Kyle McCord to be Superman if they do this right. They're going to be healthier at running back. Not only is Mayan and Travion going to be healthier, you get Evan Pryor back from his knee injury. And you have Dallin Hayden's not going to be a sophomore. So they're going to be able to rely on their run game a lot more this year. So you won't need Kyle McCord to be C.J. Stroud. And I think that's what a lot of fans are missing is they think, well, Kyle McCord's not going to be C.J. Stroud. If Ohio State's smart, they're not going to ask him to. And I think it'll make him a more balanced team, a more consistent team, in my opinion. I could be wrong on that, Ryan. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I'm i a little in between on it, to be honest, because if it was just simply – and this isn't, a, this isn't a Kyle McCord criticism at all – but if it was just Kyle McCord and everything else around you was like just good, you're good to go. Because yeah, they do have a great wide receiver crew, but they have injuries at running back. They have an offensive line that they're shuffling around and they're not really sure what they're going to have up front. I think that things are going to be forced into like Kyle is going to have to play really good ball, right? And I think there's going to be some sure. forced issues with there, right? Like you're going to, I feel like teams are really going to try to pressure him a lot because the offensive line is just going to be a major question mark early on. But I think that they will be able to remedy that quickly because it's just sure. it's about about meshing together well, right? Like I mean, yeah. right now, because the spring reaction for me, Wicked, is like that offensive line's terrible. 
But also, right. you have a few months to figure that out, right? Like, you have a few months right. to mesh that. And, and that you didn't out. have all five projected starters on one offensive line. That's that's right. the other thing that I think that that people need to think about. I just, Ryan, I just, so, I care so little about using spring games to project you forward. Oh, I agree with that. I just, I agree you know, with that. and, and yeah. we, people make way too much of it. And we just have so much evidence of it just not mattering all that much. Now, yeah. I think the thing I take away from the spring game is, I wonder if Ryan Day has learned his lessons yet. That, dude, you can't just talk about wanting to be more physical. You have to yeah. actually be more physical. And you're going into spring game saying no tackling. And it's just like, mm, I'm just not a, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm really not a big fan of that. But we'll see how it plays out in the fall. We'll see how it plays out in the fall. We shall. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.